Hey, do you like what we do but want to hear it in Boston? Well, the fucking Avengers, the thing with fucking Chris Evans, you know he went to school around here and shit, right? He fucking grew up around here. Dude, that fucking house in fucking Knives Out, kid, that he was in, that's in fucking Western Massachusetts. I drove by it. My uncle, my uncle, okay, he's a fucking contractor, all right? He drives a truck. It's got ladders and shit on it, right? He has fucking pictures of Chris Evans working on that fucking movie and that, that asshole Rian Johnson that made that fucking stupid Star Wars movie I hated so much. That guy right yeah he was fucking there too and oh a fucking james bond kid oh shit i fucking saw james bond and shit i had to send a picture of that to my fucking aunt she was like oh my god bring him over here i'm gonna fuck him so fucking hard and i was like auntie we're on a fucking group chat with ma i don't fucking care ma can come over here and fucking fuck him too for all i care and then we went on and on and on and everybody was fucking and now i know too much about my family kid then you should check out this week's sponsor the Chippin Brothers Tangent, talking about literally anything, be it nerd news or the lasting trauma of Catholic school. Chris and Bob Chippin have you covered. Listen to the Chipman Brothers Tangent on your favorite podcasting site today. And welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Turner Oric, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How goes it? It goes. It's a tad late, uh, and we are in our second attempt at recording this. So a little peek behind the scenes for those listening. We got like an hour into this recording and found out that our recording software had stopped recording. Yeah, (laughs) no. This has been fun. Anyways, we're pressed for time, so we're going to roll right ahead to our patron sound off. Our patron sound off is that little thing we do where we thank the people that support the show. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Christopher Nord, Galley, Carlos, Arthur Kearney, Kevin Baber, Nagin Generals, KK, Seth, Mr. Jesse Johnson, Donald C., and Nathan Willis. Oh. Yes, I will buy your micro machines. Yeah, that exactly. list is starting to get a bit wordy, shall we say. 2% increase. <laughs> now, if you'd like to make it even more wordy and help, help us out, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shield. 25 cents an episode means early access to all our content. Now, as you've heard, we have a guest. Guest of Here from the Shadows. It's dark and sad over here. Shadows. <laughs> I'm here now. Um, Hi, it's me. It's Chris Chipman. The Chippa from the Chippa Made This Podcast and such. I'm awesome and I love you guys. We love you too, our shield brother. And he's joining us on our continued mm, quest to find the quintessential Marvel movies, plural. I don't know. We'll figure out that as we go along. And this is part two of our phase three look. And we're in the first round or the first part. We had Ant-Man win over Ant-Man the Wasp. Doctor Strange won over Spider-Man Homecoming. Thor Ragnarok won over Captain Marvel. And Black Panther won over Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. If you don't know what a SmackDown is, for some reason you're watching this one first, it's basically where we normally we pick a director, but this time we picked a franchise, and we figure out what movie within that filmography is the most quintessential to the, usually the director, in this case, the franchise. Not the best, but quintessential. With how many movies we have to deal with in the MCU, you split this up into multiple parts. So let's get right into it. But... Actually, we got to do a little backtracking here because 
like I said, we already recorded some of this and lost it. So really quick, I'm going to go over the, the two rounds that we basically won and light reasoning why. The first round we did that we lost was Ant-Man versus Doctor Strange. And when it came right down to it, we all ended up picking Doctor Strange because as a movie, the introduction to magic uh, was generally more important to the MCU, particularly the follow-up movies, things like Infinity War, than any of the technology that shows up in Ant-Man. Were there any other, at least for the time being, points about that round we want to put forward? No, yeah, I, think, I don't oh, remember much of it, but that sounds that sounds about my decision-making. I'm trying to remember my decision-making at this point. Yeah, our, our our big thing, I think, you know, uh, was that Ant-Man could, could kind of show up with little explanation where he shows up later without the Ant-Man film and still kind of work. Whereas Doctor Strange introduces a whole bunch of stuff that we kind of needed a little bit more time to flesh out um, instead of him just going, hey, I'm Doctor Strange and there's magic here now. <laughs> which which can work, but not as not as well as with Ant-Man, which is why right. in round seven, uh, well, actually round six, in the next round, we talked Ragnarok versus Doctor Strange, and we gave it to Ragnarok because while Strange and magic is important, it was not as important to the narrative emotional arcs that are going on in Infinity War and Endgame as the entire narrative that Thor is on that is started in Ragnarok. In fact, not just that, but also uh, Loki and Hulk and the entire nature of the Asgardians all is an important journey that begins in Ragnarok, whereas Doctor Strange himself isn't as important to the the end of the MCU as Thor is, who we've argued is basically the third most important character behind Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. I know that there were other parts of the conversation, but there are any other key parts in that decision? No, I think you hit the nail on the head because we kind of argued Doctor Strange can show up and we can have a fun little joke with Tony going, wait, there's wizards yes. now? But you can't have Thor go from Age of Ultron to Infinity War Thor and have it be a seamless transition because there is so much pain and loss that all kind of ties into Thor's character in the Avengers movies that works only because you see him lose everything through Thor Ragnarok. Chris? Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, we talked, um, you know, a bit more about how, you know, both of these films uh, were from auteur directors. You know, um, the, oh God, brain is shutting down right now. Scott Derrickson of Doctor Strange, you know, was a horror director up to the point of coming in to do Doctor Strange. So it was kind of cool to see him to get it, to take a shot at the universe and see what he brought to Doctor Strange. And you've got, you know, Taika Waititi coming in with Thor Ragnarok. And both films are kind of taking and injecting a different feel into what was there. But Ragnarok really went for, you know, the jugular with what it did. You know, it, it showed it comedy heavy in the front like you know i talked about how thor ragnarok was very jarring for me the first time i watched it because it almost felt like a sketch movie and mm -hmm. i just wasn't ready for that and then watching it again you know all of the important character development is there on screen and like you said thor doctor strange is just kind of like another tony stark in the doctor strange movie we've seen the way this character has developed before so tony stark can make a funny joke and they can you know ha have an ego trip scene together and we're there but thor you can't end thor the dark world 
and have Thor show up in Infinity War and have it make any sense without Ragnarok. There's also the fact that Doctor Strange, I think we ignored this, Doctor Strange is in Ragnarok. That can easily be his introduction scene right there. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like they did it because they knew less people saw Doctor Strange than they wanted. Yeah. Plus, it's a great sequence of him fucking with Loki. So It really is. Anyway, that brings us to the round we were discussing when we realized that the recording wasn't going, and the recording is still going, so that's good news. Yes, I'm watching it like a hawk. (laughs) (laughs) Which is Black Panther versus Civil War. And since we hadn't reached a decision yet, we'll just pick up from here. Suffice to say, we were getting to some interesting kind of heated places because this is a a very – this felt a lot more difficult right off the bat. Like I'm going to just go ahead because I'm doing these kind of recap things and say that like, for instance, one of the issues we were dealing with is that while Black Panther is in a lot of ways a more important, better constructed, you know, higher quality movie, Civil War is itself like a kind of – how do I put this? A representation of a lot of the best things that comics can achieve. And that the MCU can achieve. I mean, it's more of an Avengers movie than it's than the Avengers movie that preceded it. So these were the kind of we were also talking about like, well, how does Bucky's story work without Civil War? How does Cap's story work without Civil War? How does Wakanda fit in without Black Panther? These are the kind of questions we were looking at. And I was going down a particular point, which I'll bring up here in a second. Uh, but before I get to that. What were the other initial thoughts you guys were having on this particular debate? The one that immediately jumps to mind that I know we talked about, and we'll talk about again here because we have to, is the performance that Chadwick Boseman gave in Black Panther is so incredible. And we talked about it when we did Black Panther versus Guardians of the Galaxy. The power and importance of Black Panther really cannot understated. Similarly, the kind of the completion of the trilogy that is Captain America and Civil War is also there and has to be discussed. And that all this stuff in an inner universe thing, like if we're just looking at universe, that Civil War sets up, resolves, and creates is really, it's kind of a nexus movie for what's to come, where Black Panther doesn't necessarily have that, but it wins in a lot of other categories. It's, it's astounding to me both of these films because black panther is such an achievement as a as a movie and what it means culturally which i don't think any of the other movies in this whole mix have really touched on that level but civil war is if you had told me they were going to make civil war uh, you, you know we we talk about like Bat- batman versus superman trying to jump into doing the complex intercharacter narrative that the mcu is doing but not earning it if they had tried to do civil war as the second film, it wouldn't work, right? It needs everything that came before it to function. And it's still a crowning cinematic achievement in and of itself. It's a more difficult movie to make. I think, do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, well, hold, hold, hold on. I'm say, not going to say, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily agree with more difficult, but it requires a vastly different set of prerequisites. Correct. But, but, but you're right. The other thing being is that black Panther kind of comes like a guardians of the galaxy film where as soon as people were introduced to who black Panther was, they embraced the movie with open arms. But before then the overarching comic book narrative people that were casually just going to see these movies might not have known who black Panther was. Well, so also, it's, it's kind of cool. 
Yeah. And also not to, I feel like I might be, I'm definitely probably stepping out of my wheelhouse here. And so, um, I, you know, this is not really my, <laughs> my place, but I think that's why the difficult thing I was going to say is while civil war has a lot more prerequisites and thus required more, you know, time and, and groundwork to build up to, I think having a movie about, your established characters having a disagreement and ending with, you know, big flashy fights between them is not as intimidating a prospect as trying to introduce the concept of Afrofuturism yes. uh, to a mass audience. Yeah, no, and and is... having it and having it nail it, right? Having the audience just go, Yup, this is exactly what we want. Thank you, yeah. movie. An apples and oranges discussion, which I was afraid I knew we were going to come down to this one eventually when I saw this bracket. When Civil War was announced, I kind of, you know, did one of those step backs like, okay, you're doing that event. And I was in the mind like, that really should be an Avengers move level thing later down the line when you've got more characters to play with. Let's see how it works with Captain America. But no, they really find a way to take the narrative of Civil War and the questions it kind of raised and anchor it to a Captain America story. It's a really good Captain America story through and through. I, and the one thing we have to ask ourselves here is Black Panther is a good movie, but is Black is it a good Black Panther movie in that is he the most interesting character in the movie or does that go to kind of some of the supporting cast? Well, so here's here's there's two things about that I want to answer. One is that Black Panther as a character and as an entity is vital in his own movie. He's definitely vital in Civil War, too, honestly. And that, as far as like the whole phase is concerned, is more of a point in Civil War's favor, because I feel like his performance in Civil War is already powerful enough to understand him. Conversely, if we look at Captain America, who we've established before is in the top three most important characters in this whole enterprise. And we've made the argument in previous phases that Winter Soldier and uh, Captain America the First Avenger were partially winners because Captain America's story itself needs those movies to to function and his narrative is important enough to to qualify that so then the question is as a captain america movie does civil war do the same kind of thing and when i think about how infinity war plays out because again when we have these discussions we're like without changing anything does the follow-up movie work without this and i think does captain america's story work in infinity war without civil war and at first I thought no, but the more I thought about it, the way Winter Soldier ends with essentially the entire government and Hydra breaking down and Captain America's first appearance in Infinity War being uh, essentially nomad and you know disconnected from the government and whatnot, I can easily see that. Uh, having his reunion with Bucky happen in Civil War, I mean the fact is that in Infinity War he's chilling in Wakanda and at the end of Winter Soldier he just kind of disappeared. I can see that just fine. So I don't think that Civil War has the same – narrative requirement for captain america's arc that winter soldier had you're missing one big point though and that's the tony cap relationship because you get to end game and you have that scene where tony chews cap out maybe rightfully so do you have that emotional impact if you don't have the fallout between them if you're like so tony's mad at cap because he disappeared and didn't come back and then kind of like okay well where was cap when all this was going down and i feel like 
Sorry, you kind of need the emotional schism. There is an emotional schism of Civil War that is kind of cool because it, it it's an interesting way to end one of these movies because these movies always kind of end capstone. But Civil War kind of ended like, oh, the team's broken up. And the only thing I would have changed was not immediately having the breakout on the raft. That's the only thing I think I would really change and rewatch. It's like if you had left them on the raft with maybe not breaking out, that would have been an interesting one to go. But Civil War kind of ends like the first. It's a, it feels like a cliffhanger for the first time in this series. I mean, I do want it recorded for pros- prosperity that the end of Civil War is the most emotional I've been with any of these movies because I was sitting there and uh, when Tony said, I don't care, he killed my mom. I was immediately there and I was like, I complete 100% understand both sides of this because I totally understand Tony's I'm going to kill the guy who killed my mom. And I also totally understand Steve's that's my best friend and I'm going to protect him. <laughs> so I think with Cap, we have to consider like we are talking representative of the MCU. And outside of maybe the first Avengers movie, I don't know if we have the translation of splash pages one to one like we do in Civil War. We have really big, these are splash pages put to screen. And I don't know if we have that in any other movie aside the first the first Avengers movie. Yeah, uh, I can I can see that. Now, before we continue, I, I want to bring up a point that I was literally in the middle of when we lost our last recording, because I think it's important. I don't know if it will actually sway my thoughts, because right now I'm leaning towards Civil War, but I do think it's really important, which is I was making a comment about how one thing that comic books can do, that the power of comic books as a medium is – is two things, two very important things. One is a function as a a fantasy for the oppressed or the downtrodden. I mean, literally, the poster boy for comic book superhero Superman is himself essentially a power fantasy for Jewish refugees. That's how he was constructed, and that's how a lot of these characters are. They bring hope to people. It's probably why Superman is kind of the most representative of hope. But all comics do this. Well, all comic superheroes generally do this in one way or another. And another thing that they do is expose readers to stories, ideas, uh, and situations that they might not normally be exposed to. And just in that category, both those categories of what a comic book does as a medium, Black Panther does in spades both of those things by exposing uh, a, a primarily Western audience to an entire culture and an idea or even an idea of a culture that is existent in their space, but largely overlooked. And as well as giving, I mean, you look at all the pictures and videos of, of people who went to black Panther in, in Wakandan like outfits and, and whatnot. And the sheer, like that level of hope and, and power given by a medium, I think cannot be overstated. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. that, That is the thing I'm kind of considering is if I'm putting one of these into a vault years later, which one do I want to put forward? And Black Panther has a big point because, for lack of a better word, we got a lot of movies starring powerful white dudes. We only have one movie starring powerful a powerful black guy. Well, and one if, movie in this franchise. But yeah, yes. in this <laughs> franchise. That's what I'm saying. So if we're putting one of these in a time capsule, that is a really big thing to overcome. But I don't want that to be my the only argument for it to win, you know? 
Yeah, right now I want to. I'm going to give the mic over to Chris first after I say this because I feel like we've kind of talked over him. But I want to say no, that I'm, right, I'm loving the conversation. That's why I, I've had nothing to add because it's yeah. been great. But right now I feel the same about this conversation that we did in our very first SmackDown when talking about Schindler's List. In yes. that I think Schindler's List was a more important movie than any of the ones that we beat it, but there were still quintessential reasons why it didn't move forward and i'm kind of feeling the same here where i think black panther if the question was what we put in a time capsule for importance like what we save for like what is the movie that we most want to survive i would choose black panther over civil war but that's not the question the question mm-hmm. is what is quintessential what is most representative of this franchise what is most important to this franchise's survival not necessarily to larger questions of society which again i give to black panther willingly but i'm still leaning civil war for all these reasons so all of these points this is a really tight race on these two um for me uh and i think my my mind is still tipping the scale towards black panther a little bit but your your schindler's list thing is not um is not falling on deaf ears because that is a very important one but i think schindler schindler is an interesting outlier for spielberg and remember we were were talking about spielberg then and like what is quintessential of everything that gentleman has in his wheelhouse and leaving out a couple of films the themes and the darkness and the area he went with schindler he rarely ever touched on again Mm -hmm. um for good reason, right? That that must have been an emotionally impossible film to make, you know, um, yeah. being where he was. Black Panther, I I feel set is set aside a little bit from Schindler because let's leave out the the social reasonings for it and just look at Civil War and Black Panther side by side. There are many movies in the MCU that we've already let through that are very similar to Civil War. Don't doesn't mean they're as good as Civil War. But they're very similar in how they look. They're very similar in how they're structured. Um, They're very similar in the type of superheroes and the type of super beings and the way that their story is crafted. Again, does not take away the fact that Civil War is one of, if not the best versions of them. There's nothing really like Black Panther as a film in the MCU up to Black Panther. And what I mean for that is it's it's focus. Ulrich brought up a really important point that is Black Panther a background character in his own movie? And I disagree. But what I agree with is the fact that it is a singular superhero film with a huge cast of people that are really given agency and screen time. And an Iron Man film focuses on Iron Man. A Thor movie focuses on Thor. Captain America Civil War, on the other hand, does that same thing. It's almost an Avengers film, but these are all characters that have been established and we've had screen time with before Black Panther gives you a it gives you a moral dividing line, which none of these films have really been able to do unless they've pitted a superhero against another superhero. We've never really had a villain outside of Thanos, which hasn't happened yet. Um, in these films where you really look at it and go, they've humanized this guy. And even though he's, he's doing it wrong, you know, genocide and all out, you know, horribleness is not the way to handle it. They made this villain charismatic and made the central theme of the film be a villain that's looking at another guy that maybe is a little bit too set in his ways 
and going, you got to fix this. Not necessarily teaching him properly because he's a Mm. psychopath, but the movie ends up giving him an endearing arc that I don't feel we've had another villain or another um, antagonist, anti-hero, however you want to put it, um, in the stories where they were given mutual agency and screen time to kind of try to win you over. Doesn't mean that Killmonger isn't just a total piece of crap and deserves everything coming to him. And not, not to interrupt you, I would argue, I'm not saying he's the same level, but I would argue that Loki was approaching what you're discussing. But. Well, Loki started to approach, but again, how many times have we had him up to this point? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. I'm just, I wanted to make a point because usually like it hasn't yeah. happened. Like it kind of has, but Loki is a kind of a unique entity of himself. So right, and and Loki, Loki has had multiple charismatic roles to try to win you over in that respect, right? Yeah. Um, this is, you know. Our, our second time seeing Black Panther, and I wouldn't call him the villain in his movie, but he is – he's the dividing line. He's trying to hold on to um, the old world and the old-fashioned conservatism of his family and his culture, and he's also trying to be injected into the bigger picture real-world MCU and kind of realize that there's other people. A lot of these themes they've touched on in the other movies, but I don't know if any of them have touched on it in this level of scope in one singular film. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that's always made Black Panther really important because it, it feels like a superhero movie second. And I don't just mean to the social things. It And not in like the way a Chris Nolan Batman movie that seems ashamed that it's a superhero movie. This movie just seems to be, hey, we made a film. Oh, it also happens to have these superheroes in it, which are awesome. And we're not going to pretend that the silly stuff isn't silly. And I feel like that level of confidence right out the gate not every MCU movie has been able to pull off. I agree with what you're saying. I just don't feel like what you're saying are necessarily points in its favor in this specific debate. It's kind of okay. like, it's yeah, I like was going to say the exact. Yeah, because like I, I agree with everything you've said, and that's kind of mm-hmm. why I preface by saying that, like, Nine, if it was about, same. yeah, if it was about saving a movie for its importance, then it's a no-brainer for me with Black Panther. But I feel like that's not really the question at play here. So. Well, sure. We have to follow our rules. We've established importance to the face, representation, to the MCU overall, and the MCU representation of the MCU as a thing. And Chris, you kind of put the nail in the coffin of this is not like the rest of this. This is an outlier. This is bigger than all these other things. It's not really like these other ones. So it's not really representative of the MCU. Fair. And neither movie and neither movie is particularly important to the phase. Oh, the the phase specifically, and Civil War probably has more importance to the MCU overall. And the fact that it actually introduces Black Panther in it from a narrative standpoint means it is more it it covers the the re- prerequisite grounds. Yeah, all very fair. So I think by our own rules we've written in, Civil War squeaks the victory. Now I want to put the statement qualifier out there. If this was a qualitative argument, if we were arguing for quality of the films, this would be Black Panther. I, I think it's as clear. Seen and involved with this format, it's not always about what is the best. Well, I think it's it clear to about, the audience, anyone listening. Sorry to interrupt you, Ulrich. I, I I think it's clear that we are trying to bend over backwards to be like, yeah, I you know Black Panther. I'm not trying to take away anything from Black Panther, and 
And that's why it's like really important to define what the question we're trying to ask is. (laughs) Yes. And we've really evolved and changed this format. And we've kind of like, you see, it's the winner is not always the best movie from the director. It is what best represents that director. And here it's not what is the best movie. It is what best represents the MCU and good, bad. Otherwise, that's civil war in this case. I also feel like, because as you said, as as Chris pointed out, because Black Panther is in a lot of ways a an outlier, a departure. It is a in a lot of ways that is the strength of it. It is not like it's kind of like how we made a comment before about how Ant Man, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man are all kind of the same movie, but a little bit different. And and you know, add Captain Marvel in there too. And so, like, the questions of which one of those is the best version of that thing is, like, a different thing entirely than what's the best one. And so we have this question here of, like, Black Panther is as – actually, I think the most important thing Chris said is that this is a film first. So I feel like it's almost a separate entity entirely from the MCU. I mean, Black Panther doesn't even rely on anything else really in the MCU to exist. No, you so, can put this on and watch it as its own film and really enjoy it. And like Crystal, the story is like, and then you can dive back into the MCU. This as your starting point. Like, did you like this? Yes. Okay. Try everything else. That's another reason why I think it's not represent representative because one of the reasons why this whole MCU thing is neat, as I've heard uh, certain reviewers say a long time, is that it is the successful experiment in bringing comic book continuity to the screen and that is like i'm not saying that's the reason why mcu is successful that's the kind of argument made by sycophantic fanboys but it is it is extremely important to that that it succeeded in doing it at all and it completely yeah. changed the face of how hollywood has been trying to operate well and, and you you hit you hit the nail on the head i think i think this is the answer um to, to add one more nail on the coffin to that round black panther can exist because of the success of the mcu they're allowed to make a movie like that and take that swing because of the success of the MCU and the success of movies like Civil War. Civil War is a sure bet, right? Once all the other movies come out, you advertise Civil War, Captain America and Tony Stark are going to fight. The quality of the movie doesn't matter at that point. The fact that they made a stellar fucking film (laughs) is kind of leaving it out. People are going to see that. You're able to make Black Panther on the credit that you've earned with the rest of the MCU. And so it it is a different kind of thing, right? If only Black Panther were to exist in the future, it wouldn't necessarily gain the credit for other people to go and search out the rest of the things or want to create the rest of the things. It wouldn't have told them the story. Yeah, I mean, literally, if, if you have if you sit someone down and have them watch Black Panther, and they don't know anything about the MCU. There's really nothing in the movie that indicates the existence of the MCU. Which again, it's not not necessarily like super important or anything, but it's a it's a aspect of the movie that points to its kind of outlier status. So. Yeah, I think it's a great argument for this should have been in phase one. This worked so well slotted in phase one. We really should have had him in phase one. Well, yeah. here's the thing about here's the thing about that, Ulrich. Honestly. What Chris just said that Black Panther can exist because of the success of the MCU is a is a interesting positive and negative statement. On yeah. one hand, 
thank the MCU for a lot, for creating that credit so that we can have Black Panther. On the other hand, we shouldn't live in a society where Black Panther needed the MCU Bingo. to exist in order to exist. So. Bingo. But that's that's again the positive and negative of the experiment, right? You know, th- yeah. that that's that's been comics forever. They get to try weird stuff because of the credit earned by the mainstays. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's why I brought the Schindler's List thing because this feels to me the same thing where I feel like I'm choosing a movie that I think is a less good movie but more indicative of the question we are following. And I feel bad about it because I I I want to give Black Panther the on principle, but I feel like in this conversation it is not the appropriate choice. Well, the we'd be breaking our our own rules we've established. The wonderful thing about the SmackDown is it doesn't discredit any of the films. That's 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 why I love until this we type do the, of criticism. Until we do the Michael Bay SmackDown, but that's another thing entirely. No, so. but but again, that yeah, that is entirely different. Yes, we we are going to make those films no longer exist. That's a completely different. Issue. Those <laughs> some uh, of those films are hate crimes. We need to yes. uh, <laughs> most of them. <laughs> All right, so now this brings us to what is the the last round of this phase, and one that I didn't think was gonna be the last thing we're discussing and I have complicated feelings on, which is yeah. Ragnarok versus Civil War. Now here's why I have complicated feelings about this. When before we started talking, I would have said Civil War easy. No question. But the longer we've talked about Ragnarok, having gone through multiple phases of uh, or multiple rounds of discussion, the more important I really think Ragnarok is for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I mean it's it's already held back a little bit it's it's on the off foot by being more outliery than Civil War is, which is something we just used against Black Panther. But the importance of Thor's narrative, the entire Asgardian narrative, the idea of it being a the big colorful splash page closer to what Thor is as an adaptation, while being like the really mix of drama and comedy, like. I am having a hard time. I honestly, from just a narrative perspective, I think what happens in Thor Ragnarok is far more important to Infinity War and Endgame than what happens in Civil War. So it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be if you would ask me that before we started recording, you know? Yeah, I'm waffling really hard because I like Civil War way more than I like Ragnarok. But I'm, I'm on top points for Ragnarok, but top points for Civil War. Ragnarok wins on the comic color palette in that it is big bombastic bright colorful if i told you this was a comic book movie you'd go yeah of course it's red blue green yellow there's all the colors are in there so there's that it is a keystone to thor's character arc which is a keystone to endgame infinity war and because of it's so big and bombastic it really kind of is indicative of the mcu civil war has superheroes punching each other up which is that not the end goal of this whole experiment is to have a dozen characters on screen from a bunch of different movies fighting each other and you're going yeah 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 that 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 tracks that makes sense it has the big splash page moments literally taken from the comics like this is the thing from the comic and here it is on screen i don't know how we reverse engineer the fallout between tony and cap to get that great moment in Endgame, where Cap tells or Tony tells Cap, you failed us. I think honestly, I was thinking about this since you brought it up, and I think in the, in the weird vacuum situation where we go right from Winter Soldier to Infinity War, I can still buy that because again, the way 
Winter Soldier ended with S.H.I.E.L.D. completely destroyed by HYDRA, it wouldn't – I don't – I feel like, and this is completely conjecture, that Cap appearing in Infinity War having been essentially in hiding and having disappeared after the events of Winter Soldier wouldn't be that surprising to me. And I feel like I'd still get the emotional but pull But where that. is he in Age of Ultron? Because now we've established Cap did not show up – Cap just often disappeared. He didn't show up to save the world in Ultron – He's not really helping in Infinity War, and now we're undercutting Cap's key character of being a good man. Mm, debatable, but I see where you're coming from. So, so. I, I mean, well, let's try to reverse this. If we take Thor from well, last time we see him is Ultron, and the next time we see him is in Infinity War, could we have him sitting there telling the Guardians, "I lost my home, I lost my family, I lost my family, I lost everything to Thanos." Can we have that line? Does that line work as well to convey what he's been through? Not as well, because Ragnarok does a really good job, with, aside, all the jokes aside, of just hammering and hammering and hammering, no pun intended, hmm. Thor into this raw emotional ball of just rage and well, fragility. Yeah, hold on. Really before, we, pays off in the end. before we continue with this discussion, let's take our three points real quick. So. Yep. So indicative of the MCU as a whole, I think Civil War probably takes that because, again, Ragnarok is more of an outlier by having, you know, more of a, you know, comedic tone and taking things kind of in a different kind of way. Uh, I mean, that tone became more normal going forward. I was going to say, you just you just hit a point that I had for that. I think indicative by the MCU I still give it to Civil War, but I want to say that I don't think we get the MCU that came after Civil War without Ragnarok's influence. I think the the biggest negative point that I had in the pre-Infinity War and Endgame movies that the Russo brothers made was they were a bit too serious. They yeah. needed to be. They, the stories they were telling were pretty dark, but I've seen films post-Ragnarok that they have made where they seem to have taken a wink from that and injected that into their serious storytelling. And I think it really is a perfect mix of the two. I feel like Waititi went a little bit too far, but it worked. Well, he, he pushed that envelope of comedy, shit. which, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I would say he pushed the comedy envelope and basically expanded the range by which other filmmakers can utilize that tool. Correct. And and so. I don't think I don't think we have the successful post Ragnarok MCU without Ragnarok. So anyway, so while I agree again, I think it's important. I still think that generally the question of indicative of the MCU goes to Civil War. Mm -hmm. Im importance to the phase, I think. No, for me, hands down, I think goes to Ragnarok because again, I know I know Ulrich, you're making this point about the emotional beat, but honestly, I still feel like the emotional beat with Tony and Cap survives better without civil war than all the emotional beats for thor survive without ragnarok i agree i'm just trying to say where what is the story construct for cap that doesn't erase who he is like that's the big thing like, we're hanging on if we write him off and like he just disappeared in the shadows why why i don't i don't feel like that's the case for me but don't, again this is just for me i'm not claiming for well, anyone else but i'm just this, this i can easily my see. mind I can easily see if I saw Winter Soldier and then even Age of Ultron, 
everything that's going on, it's not hard to easily piece together. First, the government let him down. Then Tony and Bruce let him down. And so now he's just been out searching for his best friend. Like, yep. I but easily Ultron, see that. Okay, so we got to look at Age of Ultron, though, because Age of Ultron is still in the... Right. That's what I just said. Age of Ultron is Tony and Bruce letting him down. Yeah, but he ends Age of Ultron leading the Avengers while Thor is, I have to go see what's going on with Asgard. So yeah. technically, Thor is better bookended to kind of go off and have his story. It's like, guys, it was all on fire. Oh, shit. And narratively makes sense. Then, And at the end of Cap going, I'm leading the Avengers to cut to Age of Ultron. Like, no one's seen Cap in ever where the hell is he what was the event that broke him and then you got to go then okay now i've got that narrative kind of hole of where did cap go what happened it doesn't feel that much like a hole to me though because like i said seeing those events i feel like it's not a big jump to i mean the entire reason for him leaving would be implicitly different but i still feel like it's a very understandable situation after winter soldier and ultron for Cap to have disappeared. And I feel like I wouldn't question it that much in Infinity War compared to Thor showing up in Infinity War on a ship with all his people. So Asgard's suddenly gone. Loki's alive. Uh, why is Hulk here? What, what happened to Thor's we, eye? Why is he like, there's we a could lot rewrite more. and write around that or have different scenes. No, in. no. But again, we, Chris talked, we, Chris put the nail on this in the last one. We are not changing anything. This is, if you don't watch but we need we need to see Thor grow as a character. Thor we is do. not the character prior to Ragnarok that he is at the end. Captain America, we've already seen him disappear under the ice for X amount of time and come back and be the same guy and then have to change with the world. We could do that again. Arguably, one of the key cornerstones of Captain America is that he doesn't go through a character arc he was always the superhero before he had the powers it's about watching him travel through the world and how the world reacts to him it's basically a superman story he so. and he also gets his he gets his arc not as important of an arc and you said not as much of a change but he and again he gets his arc we we've seen through infinity war and endgame we see what happens with captain america for if Thor just does, starts showing up and starts acting like post Ragnarok Thor, it it's gonna be a hard sell without some explanation. I see. I'm on the opposite end, and maybe it's because Thor showed up and said Ragnarok happened. Everyone's dead. My brain would go, okay, that makes sense. I that follows. Yeah, but, but it's because you're I, informed. You know what all that means. I know. That's what I'm saying. I have the thing. If you say Ragnarok, that's just the code phrase. Like, okay, I know what that means. I'm not that. That's not the average viewer. But I, I'm struggling to wrap my head around. Cap, what is it that makes Cap go, I can't be there to help the Avengers win the Earth under attack? For me, what? it's a very for me, it's a very obvious. I was he's he can't fly. He, if he doesn't have the tech of shield, he can't be everywhere at once. He was searching for Bucky. And he couldn't call or contact. That's the thing is we are arguing that Cap decided that Bucky was more important than being a hero. I mean, that kind of already I was think that a little tracks, bit in the soldier. I think that tracks with him. Yeah. I don't know. That's the one that I would think. I That's my stick. I have two real sticking points I'm kind of stuck on is figuring out what Cap's thread line is. And, of course, the other kind of game changer we've used to uh, act as a loggerhead. Will either of these movies be able to unseat one of the Avengers movies? I think so. And I, I think they both could. 
theoretically unseat one well, of the Avengers. Civil War definitely could because it's essentially an Avengers movie on its own. And Ragnarok, I mean, I know I'm biased. So, uh, well, honestly, it's weird because I was I'm biased in favor of Ragnarok because it's my favorite MCU movie. But like I said before we started talking, I would have said Civil War no problem. Me too. So it's only through our it's only through our conversation that I started really thinking about how important the events of Ragnarok are to the to Infinity War and Endgame to our entire like end well our end game of this whole enterprise. I, I feel Cap Cap without Civil War is already moving in the direction of everything from the present is failing me. So he still has to follow through with this this one thing left from my past I can still hang on to and maybe I can fix it. See, this is where I'm kind of wavering. Is Thor is important to Endgame and Infinity War as Thor. His whole narrative arc is kind of carried through. It's important to him there. Cap is important to Thor, uh, to Endgame and Infinity War as Cap and as he fights Thanos and that whole big moment. But all that said, if we did have the Cap doubting himself or Cap disappeared, that hammer moment and him being worthy does kind of hit a little bit differently because we're questioning Cap abandoned us to go fight Bucky. But then but he's the worthy. Yeah, so that almost – that's where I'm stuck, guys. I really – I'm, I'm trying also, to wrap my head around. There's also the fact that – think about how that sequence, the entire sequence with the hammer plays without the events of Ragnarok, without Mjolnir being destroyed, without – Thor having to construct Stormbreaker in the uh, for a reason in the first place, with the whole question of Thor wondering if he's worthy. I mean, in, in, uh, Endgame does the whole process of reaffirming Thor's worthiness. That's one of the best emotional beats in that movie. But yep. then that also itself adds right into Captain America being worthy yep. by reiterating okay. Mjolnir's mechanism and it talking. Sets it sets you up for that scene. <laughs> and talking to Ulrich's point, I, I really think Cap being away for reasons that don't immediately make sense to us narratively and him almost having to explain or show that I actually am a good person still and I do care. But like literally I saw no other way out because I saw this whole bizarre world I woke back up in basically failing me on every level and then coming and being able to wield it is is a huge revelation without having to do much storytelling as to what cap's real purpose and intention was even if we are meant to question it and go wait a minute why was he gone even though to, to me and um oh to me and axel it makes sense but i i think that's an even bigger beat okay so i am ready to cast after my little diatribe i'm gonna go on here at the risk of having cap and thor have two similar story arcs going through Infinity War Endgame. The stuff with Thor works so well because of Ragnarok and because you have him going with this, you get that great scene, which is still my favorite, with him and uh, Frigga on Asgard when he's talking about not being worthy and that whole thing. You really cannot sell that same emotionality without the events of Ragnarok putting him in that position. The, everything else... I'm still kind of wishy-washy with Cap, but I feel like we've kind of pieced it in and the hammer scene would be this whole big, would have a whole another layer of subtext of he's still worthy despite blank. So yeah, I think Ragnarok wins this by a hair. I, I also me. think that no matter what, 
we have to lose some emotional beat here. Like the fact that I am also I'm voting for Ragnarok in my head right now means I lose what is literally my most impactful emotional beat in the entire MCU. Yeah, but I feel like I gain more emotional beats in the follow up movies by keeping Ragnarok than by keeping Civil War. So you have to give up something. We're, we're going to lose something. And I think what we lose by losing Ragnarok is more than what we lose by losing Civil War. Yeah, and I, I'm really surprised. I still, Ragnarok, I have my issues with it, but it does a lot to give us, a. if we had, if this was the last, like, if Endgame was the final Thor movie, that was the last, the character arc of him isn't really complete before that. Cap is complete with Winter Soldier and with Endgame, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. yep. So Chris, you so got yeah. you got any more words on this? <laughs> no, other than I never thought it would be these two movies up against each other. Not that I discredit their importance or their quality. It just it you know, if if I had to do this in a bubble, you know, it it would have been like you know Black Panther in a Guardians movie. You know, at this point, <laughs> right? Well, we went round yeah. and round and round with Black Panther versus Guardians of the Galaxy. That was not an easy argument, despite what some of you said it should have been. Were, were there were there people in the comments saying Guardians One of the Galaxy Volume Two? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. The argument was that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two isn't important to the MCU overall. And I disagree. I disagree too, but it's like I, I get what you're saying. Well, but there no, is a, there there was a huge amount of hatred for that movie that I still just don't understand. But but anyway, real quick before we get into um these kind of extra conversations, surprising I feel like all of us because I didn't I honestly when I thought about how this was gonna go, I didn't think it was gonna be Ragnarok, but it sounds like that's the winner of this phase. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ragnarok. This is why I love this format because it's never the movie we predict. Yeah, I thought it was going to be either Black Panther or Civil War, and I had predicted it was going to be Civil War. So I am surprised that myself and, am sitting here like, it's. I think it's Ragnarok, yeah. And I'm going to say it's Ragnarok with no contesting. I, I have no – I'm looking back through what we went through, and I feel completely fine about it. Which yeah. is, is so weird. Like, if you were asking me, like, pure quality, I think we would have a much different argument. But because of the qualifiers we've put in and because of what it does for Thor's story arc, despite everything else – it really puts Thor in the most interesting narrative place that he could be. And and I would like to say, you know, speaking to this format particularly, because again, there's some things where, you know, like the Michael Bay one's just going to, just going to be fun shit posting. Right. <laughs> um, but, but, but even though you never know, we, we might come out with something, but when, when you take something like the MCU, that it has such a wide umbrella of, discourse about it why it's good why it's bad why it's important why i like it why i don't like it you know and same thing with steven spielberg right his career is an mcu level career right but i really feel like this this was a culmination of how of how we've established this format because this is i think the only way to critique the mcu is to talk through it like this, because if you do it any other way, it just turns into, well, I didn't like thing X and that's why that movie isn't good. And it's like, come on, like there's more to it than that. And I love the deep critique we're able to get out of these by doing this. It's not just a, the film's good. So it makes it better than every other film. And (laughs) ha ha ha, you know, 
Well, I mean, proof positive of what you're talking about, and I've got nothing but respect for the fact that I know Ulrich's got all his problems with Ragnarok, but through this discussion, we all came to the consensus here, and that's, I mean, that's really cool, so. No, that's what I like what we've done with this format, is it really strips away personal subjective opinion and forces us to go, no, these are the qualifiers. Your opinion is great, but this is the movie. What does this movie say, do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? It's great. Well, any, well anyway, that brings us to the end of, of phase three, which is funny because if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, phase one's winner was, spoilers if you haven't watched that, although you should, phase one's winner was Captain America the First Avenger. Phase two, wasn't it Winter Soldier? I'm pulling up the list as we see. I don't think it was Winter Soldier. That's... I don't think it was Winter Soldier either, but I could be wrong. I think but... we all thought it was going to be. <laughs> but maybe or now with Ragnarok it's just because I thought that the first two were both the Captain America movies and then the third because I remember in the first episode we did of this I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Captain America movies took every phase yeah but, yeah well they're the best it's the best trilogy yes but man is this this phase is really strong the one we just went through that <laughs> this was damn yeah Anyway, uh, that means that next on the docket, I don't know when we'll get around to it because we have to get all our time schedules lined up. But uh, if I'm correct me wrong, work, the next one will be going through the Avengers movies. It's Avengers, oh, and then we're on to the finale. Yep, so, so that's yeah. going to be That's, that's going to be, be a time. real, oh boy. I have my prediction for who will win the Avengers one, and I don't know what I'm going to... I have my prediction for who will win the finale, too, but I'm going to keep them to myself. Okay, so, so part two's winner was winter soldier okay so that makes sense all right yeah and part one's winner was captain america so we kind of broke that streak <laughs> what's Ooh. funny though is we've talked all at length about how it's uh you know at the end of the day it's cap iron man and thor right so two of the movies were cap movies Iron Man has actually done very well in the Avengers movies himself. His entire he arc can be just... I, I, I think Iron Man is at his best in the Avengers movies, personally. Yep. Yeah. And so now we've picked a Thor movie. So it just it kind of makes sense to me. So... All right. This has been insane. I love and it. I know I, I, we've gotten great feedback. A lot of people are like, oh, this didn't go the way I thought it was. It's like, it never does. Yeah. <laughs> we, I know we, that... we are somehow breaking the discourse trend. This is wonderful. Well, I know we got we got some person commented that they thought we were just gonna suck Iron Man's dick or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if if anything, the podcasts I do, um, puts out there, it's just that I'm going to suck dick. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, since we're kind of we're just kind of spitballing here, I think that is a good time to because we're a little about around an hour. Uh, Perfect. So it comes look after editing, but so at this point, we'd like to thank Chris again for coming on talking with us. Oh, thank you so much. And of I course, and of course, assuming he's up for it, well, you'll see him with us again for the the next part of this experiment. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't miss it. And uh, since we're recording this at a very interesting time, and this will probably come out after, everybody uh, should see Black Widow. Won't I'm say anything more so than that. Excited just to go back to theaters again. It's very solid, and I just want people to see it. I don't care. I just want to be back in theaters with my big tub of popcorn. It was well, it was wonderful. With I know. <laughs> I know Regal right now is forcing me to keep my unlimited for another six months, so maybe I'll make use of it. So <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> All right, All Chris. Right. Special soapbox. What do you want to promote? Oh, I am a soapbox man. I would like to um, promote the Fireside Alliance. 
You guys are part of it. I'm yes, part of are. it. We, uh, I, I, I have created with Alex Shaw of School of Movies a um, network for like-minded podcasters, content creators, and their fans to come together and be awesome as sort of an antithesis to the horrible, horrible timeline that is Twitter. Um, go to firesidealliance.com if you're interested. The Geeks with Shields are part of it. A ton of my other friends are part of it. Um, it's wonderful. And uh, you can find all my content and all their content there. So no better way to get to my stuff or their stuff than to go there. And if you're listening to this on the Fireside Alliance, finger guns, you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I guess, Ulrich, that means it's time to take us into the outro. It is. So thank you for listening. Like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Fight back the algorithm. Share this with a friend. Especially anytime the stupid MCU blah 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 discourse comes up. We really like doing these and we really like that we're getting feedback. I got nothing else to say. It's late, guys. Yeah, and whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it be SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, thank you. And if there's another platform you want us to be on, yell at us about it. I invite you to pester us at whatever platform you like most. It will incentivize us to to get on it faster because we are busier than we used to be. <laughs> As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.